Jesus. Tonight, I would like to take my scripture from John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Hallelujah, Jesus. When you get to John chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 1. When you have it, say amen. If it's behind me, you're cheating. But John chapter 9 and verse 1 says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It never crossed their mind that he might have just been blind. Everybody wants to blame somebody for something. So they just want to know who to blame. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. What a letdown. I've seen it in people's faces. They want somebody to blame. And he said, well, it's nobody's fault. It's just like their dog died or something. You just see it on their face. Man, I was ready to, I was ready to point a finger. But Jesus just stopped that. He said, nobody sinned. He said, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Our clock's running out, church. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to deliver the word that the Lord has laid on my heart, simply titled, Our Priority in Passing. Our Priority in Passing. Mighty Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for your presence that's in this house tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that's already moving. We ask God as your word goes forth, Lord, let me speak as your mouthpiece and deliver this message. Lord, let it be heard with open hearts and open minds. Help us to receive it, God, and allow it to change us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On February 19th of last year in South Charleston, West Virginia, an unusual sight early that morning left Mr. Corey Casto knowing that something was not right. He was quoted saying, we saw a faint glow in the house. It looks like a fire, so I went to see what was going on. His seven neighbors were all asleep in their house on the 800 block of Barrett Street when it caught fire. Casto jumped into action and ran to the house to help. He said, I started beating on the window to see if I could wake anyone up, but for some reason I went back to the front door to check it, and there was a little baby who'd been sleeping a few feet inside the house. I ran in and grabbed her, and I took her out. After grabbing the baby, Casto realized that two other small children were trapped inside. He saw a little boy looking out of the window for help. He said, I found something on the ground. I don't know what it was. So I broke the window and I got him out. Casto was able to save all three children and four older adults with help from his father-in-law before first responders even arrived. One woman was still trapped inside when South Charleston police officer Winston Lloyd showed up. Officer Lloyd said they were having some issues getting her out of the house, so I stepped in and I grabbed her. 
Minutes later, multiple fire departments were on scene putting out the fire. The four adults were taken to the hospital for smoke inhalation. The South Charleston Fire Department determined the cause of the fire was an electrical issue and that the home had no smoke alarms. Officer Lloyd said the fire appeared to come from the porch. There's actually an outlet in the front porch area, and it was an enclosed porch. It had been burning for a while. Family members are grateful for their neighbor's quick actions, but Mr. Casto said he is no hero. He said, I just know them in passing. I know them as my neighbors. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters. We call it the Hall of Faith. Football, baseball, rock and roll, they've got their Hall of Fames. We've got our Hall of Faith. We can look back on those who came before us believing and trusting in God for something greater than this world had to offer. But verse 13 of that chapter says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them. They were persuaded by something that never happened in their lifetime. But God had promised it, and it was enough for them. God said that it would come to pass, and they took it as solid rock truth. But they were persuaded of them, and they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter addresses the saints and says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. He's saying you don't belong here. And that's how I'm addressing you. I'm asking you as the strangers and the pilgrims in this world that you are. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Stay away from the things that are not of God. You don't belong here. This isn't your final destination. You've got a heavenly home waiting for you. So I'm asking you as those strangers and pilgrims to stay away from it. We are all just passing through this life. It's not our final destination and I thank God for that. Uh, in full transparency, I, if this was it, I probably wouldn't be here tonight. If this is all I had to look forward to, that's just me being honest. That's me being transparent. Whether we acknowledge it or not, this world's not the end. We were created to dwell eternally with God. But because of sin, we all know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, how they fell. And sin entered into the world that God had created. And that same sin separated us from Him. But it didn't change the action that God took when He formed man. And Scripture says He breathed into Adam a living soul. The thing that separates us from all of creation is the fact that we were created with an eternal portion of our being. And so that, that soul has to go somewhere. That soul will spend eternity somewhere. Whether you're heading tonight to heaven or whether you're on the road to hell. Whether or not you acknowledge the existence of either one of those. The bottom line is we're just passing through. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. We're just pilgrims. That's why Peter told us in 2 Peter verse 1 
or chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. He said, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. Not, not a small entrance, uh, not a light entrance. But he said, ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, you've got to be sure about what it is you believe. You've got to make sure you're walking with God. You've got to make sure that you're steadfast in the promises of God. How do we make our calling and election sure? We talk about elections. Those are choices that we make. You won't ever hear me get up here and talk about politics or certain parties or anything like that. But what I would tell you is that anybody with a brain would look into who it is or what it is they're voting for. That's just common sense. I went to the ballot box this year and there were names I had no idea who they were. I didn't even vote for that office. Because I wasn't sure about my election. But how do we do that in the kingdom? How do we make sure that we're making the right choices? We obey the Word of God. We obey the Word of God. If you're ever uncertain in this life as to what you should do, find out what the Bible says about it. And if somebody tries to give you an answer and it's contrary to the Word of God, they're lying. If it's not matching up with the Word of God, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. You can always take it to the bank. You can always rest assured that whatever it says is going to come to pass. So if somebody walks in the room, I don't care how fancy they say it. I don't care how eloquently they deliver it. If it doesn't match up with the Word of God, it's a lie. So we make our calling and election sure by obeying the Word of God. In John chapter 3, Jesus said that we had to be born again of water and of the Spirit. That confused Nicodemus a little bit because when Jesus said, be born again, he's like, well, I'm an old man. You want me to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, born again of water and of the Spirit. And Peter laid it out. Bishop sang about it tonight. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when they approached Peter and they said, what do we need to do? You've, you've convicted us. Your words have got to us. What do we need to do to be saved? Peter said this. It wasn't new. All of... All of the Bible, look in the Old Testament, it was leading up to this. And Peter, freshly filled with the Spirit of God, had an understanding of what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to Nicodemus that night. He said, the born again of the water and the Spirit. He said, you got to repent. You die out to yourself. You can't be born again unless you die first. The understanding started to flow and Peter started to preach as the Spirit of God moved on him. He said, and then that water and spirit part, after you repent, you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That means they can't be removed. They can't be washed away unless you're baptized in the name of Jesus. And that's born of the water. He said, and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born of the Spirit. And I want to tell you tonight, if you've never experienced that, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. 
I still remember I've walked with God for 22 years of my life. And I still remember the night that I received the Holy Ghost. They've remodeled the building. And I can still take you to exactly where God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember the night I got baptized. Hot tubs are nice. Taking a shower after a long day's work is nice. Soaking to relax your muscles and get clean, that's nice. But there's nothing that compares to being clean on the inside. There's something about it. It's undescribable. But I can tell you it is one of the most amazing feelings you'll ever experience. To know that everything that you've ever done wrong is gone. Oh, hallelujah. Tonight could be your night. Tonight could be the night that you go down in the name of Jesus and have your sins washed away. You don't have to walk out those doors the same as what you came in. Tonight could be the night that God fills you with His Spirit. And the Bible says you'll speak in another language as a sign of that. But we need to understand something. Receiving the Holy Ghost is not just something that we do to earn our salvation. When you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, that's not the end. If it was, He'd just rapture us out of here. Like, what's the point? Receiving the Holy Ghost is also the catalyst in propelling us to our own mission to reach the lost. The same kind of people that we once were. Paul lays it out. He just gives a whole list. He's not playing patty cake. Adulterers, idolaters, fornicators, murderers, liars, thieves. He just... Such were some of you. And we wouldn't be here if somebody hadn't come to us. I can tell you tonight that I'm the product of a van ministry. I'm the product of two women in a Pentecostal church that wouldn't take no for an answer. They'd show up at the house every Saturday. My mom, we, I'm the oldest of four kids. You can imagine how quiet we were. We lived in a mobile home, no insulation. But mom would say, shh, just be real quiet. Pretend we're not home and maybe they'll go away. I know they heard us. They probably heard my mom whisper that. But they kept coming back. And every now and then my mom would go, all right, they can go. And if we missed, they'd come right back. But they were on a mission. They were serving their purpose. They were seeking the lost. They were looking for souls that God could save. In Luke 14, 23, the Lord says unto His servant, Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. That word compel, that's not a light word. He doesn't say go suggest to them. Go mention it casually. Go tell them, well, I mean, if you want to come, there's room. You don't have to, but you can. And Talk about a mixed signal. Do you want me to come to church? Do you not? I shouldn't come to church. What? what? What do, I, what do I need to do? And we've got the apostles to look back on and we see things like Peter commanded them to be baptized. And we're just trying to sugarcoat it because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. If I'm living wrong, 
If I'm not walking right, I want somebody to come and tell me. I might be offended. I might not like it. But after I get a chance to process it, it's going to be okay. I'm a big boy. No comments. But he says, go compel them to come. That my house might be filled. Compel them. In other words, he's saying, don't take their excuses. Don't, don't give them options. That's the thing. Sometimes they don't even offer an excuse. We give it to them. Hey, man, we're having an awesome service Sunday. I think you should come and be a part of it. Unless you've got something else to do. Like They were ready. And then they got a little freaked out. And then you said, well, unless you got something else to do. Oh, I do. I got 18 seasons of something to watch. And that just won't wait. We do it. We do it. We give them the excuses. Stop it. Just compel them. You really need to be there. God's moving and you need to experience it. God's doing the miraculous. You need to come. Are you sick? God's a healer. You need to come get a healing. Oh, oh! you don't know how your marriage is going to survive? Let me introduce you to the one that can heal marriages as well. You need to come to church. You need to get God in your life. Who do we know in passing? Who do we know in passing? Who do we know like Mr. Casto? I just know them in passing. They're just, they're my neighbors. Who do we know? What are we doing to reach them? What are we doing to introduce them to Jesus? In the portion of scripture that we read in John chapter 9, it says, and as Jesus passed by. Now, if you started reading there, you would get the, maybe the idea that was Jesus was just out for a stroll that afternoon. He was just passing by. He just happened to be there the same time that guy happened to be there, and it was no big deal. But you see, Scripture wasn't written with chapters and verses. And a lot of times we forget that, and we'll pick up the beginning of a chapter as like nothing happened before it. And then when we're done reading it, we have the idea, well, nothing happened after it. That's how people take Scripture out of context. You've got to take the entirety of God's Word. You can't just base it on one thing and get, oh, that sounds like what I want to do. So I'm going to do that. So we look just a few verses ahead or previous to that in John chapter 8, verse 56 and 59. And it says that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. And he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He was one of those in Hebrews chapter 11. He was persuaded. He was looking for a, sil a city whose builder and maker was God. A city that had a sure foundation. Jesus knew who Abraham was. He's the one that called him to leave everything behind. He's the one that had called him out to wander and to stake out the promised land. And so Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. 
And then the very next verse says, Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. The scribes and Pharisees that Jesus was addressing that day knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. This wasn't a sign of Jesus possessing bad grammar, folks. They weren't confused. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying the I am, the great I am that addressed Moses in a burning bush. That's me. He was proclaiming himself to be God. And the Jews knew it. But because he didn't come in with an army, because he wasn't from a family of royalty and rich people and influential individuals, they couldn't accept that he was their Messiah. And so, their other option was to try to kill him. He, he doesn't jive with what we, what we want. We do the same thing today. Of course, we don't have God in the flesh, but we, we try to kill the people that God sends. That's why I said, don't shoot the messenger. There's a reason that saying exists. People get mad with what pastor has to say. Pastor's not up here to try to bust you in the nose every service and hurt your feelings. He's up here to tell you exactly what God put in his heart, exactly what God told him to say. He's the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. But they didn't like what he had to say, so they were going to kill him. Now, we know from Scripture that Jesus was a man. He was flesh and blood. He hungered. He slept. He got cold. He was tired. He took a nap. We can read those things. But he was also all God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What does that mean? It means that that flesh and blood contained the Spirit of God. Now here's the thing about it. The flesh that housed that spirit of God could have been killed. That flesh that got hungry, that flesh that got cold, that, that flesh that got tired and wore out, had to take a nap in the middle of a storm because he couldn't sleep anywhere else. That flesh could have died had they stoned him that day. But the spirit of God inside the flesh knew it's not my time. I got more work to do. I know Calvary's coming. I know what my end's going to be when I, after I'm done walking this earth. I know what it's leading to. But it's not yet. And it's not going to be by stones. And so, in His humanity, in His flesh, Jesus was running for His life. He was fleeing to save Himself. And so when we read in John chapter 9 verse 1, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind. He was in the middle of running for his life. He was in the middle of fleeing from the people that would destroy him. And he stopped because of a blind man. He stopped because somebody asked him a question. He stopped because there was a soul on the line. And you, you may say, well, that's, that's a bit of a stretch there, preacher. Well, remember what I said about reading what's before and what's after? Well, you read on down in John 9 and you find out those same scribes and Pharisees that were trying to stone Jesus now get a hold of the blind man that can now see who did this. 
Where is he? Oh, he can't be God. He healed on the Sabbath. I don't care what day it is. That's a miracle. And they didn't like what the blind man had to say, so they got his mommy and daddy. And they started questioning them. And they knew the Jews had already made up their decision. If anybody proclaimed him to be the Christ, they were getting kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, well, he's a grown man. Ask him. We, we ain't, we ain't going to answer. I, I love that. that. That's been my go-to answer for. I don't know. Ask them. Something you don't want no part of. And so they ask him, and he keeps saying things they don't like. And finally he says, well, okay, who else can heal the blind? The devil ain't going around doing that. And you're saying he's of the devil, but I'm telling you what he did. I don't know who you're saying he is. I don't really know who he is. But what I do know he is he is of God. He's from God. He healed me. I was blind, but I can see you now. And so those are the same people that wanted to stone him to death because he let them know who he was. Can you imagine the frustration of Jesus? They ask a question. They want to know who he is. He tells them and they, they try to kill him. That's like when I was a kid. My mom said, just tell me the truth. You won't get in trouble. That's a trap. That's a trap. I, I don't know what... I don't know what would have been worse, like, if she would have found out the lie, how much worse would it have been? But then I tell the truth, and it, it, here comes the pain. I don't... Truth that mom can't handle the truth. But that's where they were at. One know who he was. He said, I'm God in the flesh. The one that you've all been waiting for, I'm right here. I'm right now. But mm, no, you you don't look the part. You're not what we're expecting. We're gonna kill you. Don't, can't accept it. Don't like it. And you say, man, what a bunch of jerks. People are the same way today. Don't like this. Don't like that page. Honey, you see my sharpie. If I can't see this, it can't convict me. But see, Jesus was running for his life that day. And he stopped because there was a soul. Jesus' life was in danger. He was fleeing from the people that wanted to kill him, and he stopped to heal a blind man. Even though Jesus could have been put to death on that day, his priority never stopped being the kingdom of God. His priority never stopped being the lost. His priority never stopped being souls. And as he was passing by, his life was on the line. But we're here tonight, passing through this life as strangers and pilgrims. And I don't know if, if, if there's somebody here tonight and you're in the witness protection program, then this doesn't apply to you. But most of us don't have anybody out to get us tonight. Most of us are okay. But what's our priority in passing? 
What's our priority in passing? Oh, I can't. I can't. I got to get to work. Oh, I, I, I can't. Son's got a softball game. If I, I'll come down here because I feel like I'm meddling. I can't because I got to get to church. Jesus going around saying to his mom at 12 years old, i got to be about my father's business. And he's, he's preaching at people. He said, i got to work to his disciples while it's day because night comes when no man can work. He said, I ain't got a lot of time. And you look around the wor- world today and you see that Jesus is coming soon. We ain't got a lot of time, folks. What is it that we're doing? What is our priority as we're passing by? What if... What if John and Peter had the same attitude? Well, can't be late for prayer. There'd have been a lame man that didn't get up, walk, and then go rejoicing and dancing into that prayer meeting they were getting ready to attend. What's our priority in passing? Who do we know in passing? But we're so busy that we miss them. We're so busy that we miss out on our mission. God called us to reach the lost. To compel them to come. But our priority is something else. Our priority is, well, I don't know what so-and-so is going to think about this. I don't know. Well, did you see what she had on? Did you hear what he said? Did you? And our priority is everywhere but on the kingdom of God. Our priority is on everything but the lost. And here's the thing. You've got a man who didn't even know these people. And he runs into a burning building to pull them out. He says, I'm no hero. I just know him in passing. But we're facing something worse than a burning building. There's a fire that's going to burn for eternity. And while you and I are here tonight, the truth is, no matter how much we don't want to hear it, somebody out there just left this world without knowing Jesus. Before we get home tonight from this service, God alone knows how many people are going to leave this world without knowing Him and being right with Him and being obedient to the Word of God. And they're headed to a fire that will never go out for eternity. But you and I have the ability... To run into their situation while the flames of hell are licking at their feet. And say, hey, I'm here to get you out of this. Uh, Hey, I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. Hey, I, I have the answer you're looking for. Let's get out of this mess. Let's get to the house of God. Let's get to Jesus. And it's going to be okay. What is our priority in our passing? What is our mind set on? What is our goal? I prophesy to you tonight before I begin preaching that God is going to bring prodigals back. Have they been part of your priority? Or, or when they decide to walk out the doors, do we just write them off? Well, that's their choice. That's their fault. 
But you know them. You've got to step up on Mr. Casto. You know who they are. You know exactly where they're at. You know where to go in to pull them out of the fire. People we work with, go to school with. The same clerk that checks us out at the grocery store. We're just passing by them. But are they our priority? Once again, I want to say this because I believe that the gospel should always, always, always be preached when I have the opportunity. The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's repenting, that's being baptized in His name, and that's being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you've not experienced that, I want to repeat myself tonight. Tonight can be your night. And I'm not going to make light of that. But I believe that more than anything, God sent me here tonight for, with a word for the church. For the saints, you want to see people keep getting the Holy Ghost, get baptized, getting delivered and set free from drug addiction? You're going to have to make people your priority. You're going to have to make souls your priority. You're getting ready for work in the morning. Jesus, if I can witness to somebody, put them in front of me. God, if you open the door, I'll tell them about you. Lord, just, just make set it up. Give me a divine appointment to run into somebody. And you start making souls your priority. You start making the kingdom of God your priority. And you find out that you're going to run into all kinds of people. And the thing is, is yes, God's in it. But it's not really that huge of a miracle. Because it's not like He's just bringing people that were never there. They've always been there. But when our priority shifts, and as we pass by, we see them. And we take notice of them. I thank God that somebody passed by my way. I thank God that I was somebody's priority. I wouldn't be here tonight if somebody else would have said, you know what, it's Saturday. I got a lot of better things I could be doing than going to some snot-nosed kid's house in a trailer park. But he's lost. And he doesn't know Jesus. And his brothers and sister don't know Jesus. And his mama doesn't know Jesus. And so, those other things are going to wait. And I'm going to go. church it's easy to get distracted it's easy in this life there's so many things your pastor said you're fasting not just from food and I, I applaud this but from social media also and from television they're distractions what, what's going on in the news it's a distraction and I'm not trying to take away from the severity of the illness but this coronavirus it's a distraction Fear has gripped this nation like never before. But our priority now is, well, bless God, I'm not going to wear a mask and you can't make me. Or bless God, you should be wearing a mask and I'm going to make you. See how I didn't take a side there? But it's the truth. Did you see brother so-and-so? Yeah, thank God he's here. No, not that. He didn't, he didn't use the hand sanitizer when, before he came to the sanctuary. 
The brother's not been here for eight and a half months. He walked into the house of God and instead of rejoicing, you're mad because he didn't wash his hands. What's our priority, church? What's our priority? If the music would come, I'm going to close because I believe God's fitting to do something right now. I want to tell you something right now. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's real. It's real. You know, you hear us quote Acts 2.38 a lot, and there's a reason for that, because we've experienced it. It's hard not to talk about something that you've experienced. But the next verse, Peter says, For the promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now listen to me. When he said you and your children, that made it, not a geographical afar off. That made it through time afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Can I tell you tonight, church, he's still calling. He's still filling. He's still delivering. He's still saving. So don't you believe that lie that that was just for them back then. You've come too late to convince me of that because I've experienced it. And I'm telling you tonight that you can experience it. But if you're sitting in your pew tonight and you say, Preacher, I've had the Holy Ghost for 187 years. Well, congratulations. What's your priority, though? Who in your family's backslidden? Who of your co-workers is lost? How many times are you going to walk by that grocery store clerk looking at her tear-stained cheeks before you ask her, Hey, can I pray for you? Can I just let you know there's hope? I don't know what it is you're going through, but I, I know what the answer is. His name's Jesus. Can we take some time tonight and find a place and let God realign our priorities? Now here's the thing. Here's the part that's hard. Okay? I know I've been there. Sometimes we don't like what we see. I'm not here to kick you down. I'm not here to punch you in the nose. God forbid that I ever speak the truth with anything but love. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is even though it hurts, that's not my intention. That's just God dealing with you. It hurts when we have to admit that we're wrong. I do it all the time to my wife. It never feels any better. She's not here tonight. Don't tell her I said that. If she knows she's right, then it hurts. But it's necessary. We need to let God shine a light into our spirits tonight. And show us what is our priority, God. You may not like what you see. But the beautiful thing about it is you're in the right place in the right moment for God to begin to shift some things. And for you to say, Lord, you know what? I've been making that a priority and it's not even important. I've been making that a priority and it's not even part of your kingdom. But tonight, God, when I leave this place, I'm going to look with the eyes of a priority focused on the lost. Through the eyes of a priority focused on your kingdom. And from here on out, God, when I leave this place, 
as I continue to pass through this life, my priority is going to be you. My priority is going to be souls. My priority is going to be the kingdom. Can we let God minister tonight? This altar's open.